look, what is, today's a special day, right? What is today? It's Valentine's Day. So, of course, I've got to preach on love, right? I mean, I mean, it's just, I can't get up here and, and, and preach anything but love tonight. Of course, it's always about the love of Jesus. Amen? I think I just said tonight. I'm so used to preaching at nighttime. This morning, right? Um, we we're, here, we're here this morning to celebrate the love of Jesus. We're here this morning to talk about him and what he's done in our lives. But today is Valentine's Day, and, um, and it's a celebration of love where we give cards and flowers and candy and jewelry, unless you're my wife, and all kind of stuff on Valentine's Day. And um, so it's a celebration of love. But I want to just throw this out there to you. that Did you realize that in 2020, Americans spent... 27.6, I'm sorry, 27.4 billion dollars. I just didn't see that one coming. I was like, that's so much money. And that's everything, going out to eat and gifts and stuff like that. But man, that's a lot of money. So, but we're not going to talk about the romantic kind of love this morning. We're going to talk about God's love. All right, y'all good? We're going to talk about God's love. And, and, and when I think about what is love, what the scripture says is love, there's several passages that I, that I go to. But um, one of those, if you want to go ahead and turn, is, is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Obviously, right? I mean, that's the, ch- the love chapter. But when I think about what is love, because of who I am and my raising, and I automatically go to a song that came out in 1993. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Y'all remember that song? I know y'all do. And, and, and it's about a guy and his love for his girl and how weird that is. But it's, I think it was a one-hit wonder. He never did anything else, I don't believe. But that, my mind hears that song. So now you get to hear that song the rest of the day. You're welcome. <laughs> so, um, you know, some people say money makes the world go round. I'd like to argue this morning that love makes the world go round. Amen? Why? Because love keeps us breathing. Love keeps us eating and talking and and walking, and it sustains life. Why? Because God is love, right? First John 4.16, I don't know if that's going to be on the screen or not, but God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God and God in him. God is love. And, you know, we all have our different definitions of love, and usually it's a romantic kind of love or affectionate love or whatever, but we're talking about this agape love this morning, uh, the, the love of God. And, and we're going to turn to the, the source of love, the word of God, for answers and and, and help and instruction on what love is. Because you know what? Love is honestly indescribable, right? It's uncontainable, kind of like our God. Now, it's, the Bible says God is love, but love, doesn't, love is not God necessarily, always. Because God is so much more than love. Love helps us understand God and gives us some characteristics of God. But it's not all that God, all encompassing of what God is. But it does help us a little bit. So we're going to talk about love this morning. So... Now, we're going to talk here from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through, through 8, actually. Um, and we're going to talk about what love is not at first. But let's just read that passage there first before we're going further, all right? So, and by the way, if you've been married by me or if you've ever heard me do a wedding, I, this is, you know, it happens. It's because this is very famous, very popular for weddings. But it says here in chapter 13, 1 Corinthians verse 4, it says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Love never ends. Now, we know that um, 
Paul wrote the book to First, to First Corinthians to that church, and they had a lot of issues. If you want to go back and read the, the whole book, it's, they, were, they had some struggles, as we, as we do as well. Um, but he was talking about spiritual gifts in chapter 12 and, and chapter 14, but he kind of wedges this love punch right in the middle of these two chapters. And, and so I want to give you that little background of, of the spiritual gifts there as well. But, but we know that love is such a, such a pivotal point of our lives. Such a, it's such a, a big deal in all of our lives, right? And, and this, this kind of short definition of love is so good for us as Christians to, to understand love on a deeper level. Now, love is, is more than just saying I love you. you can, I can say I love you all day long, but if I don't act it out, right? If I don't demonstrate my love for you, what good is that? It's just words. And, and so as we're going through this study, I want you to think about how you demonstrate or don't demonstrate uh, love the way the scriptures tell us here in 1 Corinthians 13. So to start off, before we go in, what is love? We're going to say what love is not. Everybody say, love is not. Number one, love is not envious or jealous. Love is not envious or jealous, as the scriptures say. Uh, in other words, they had it and I want it, right? That's not love. It makes me think of Cain and Abel, and his jealousy caused him to kill his brother. It makes me think of the prodigal son who was jealous of the world out there and all the fun they were having and how he wanted to get his inheritance so he could enjoy life because he was jealous, he was envious. Makes me think of uh, Joseph's brothers in the Old Testament, right? They were jealous of their, fa- of their father's love for him. And they, they, they faked his death and beat him and put him in a pit. And he was sold into slavery because of jealousy or envy. We've all, we all struggle with being envious or, or jealous of what other people have. But that's not God's love. And we as Christians need to steer clear of being jealous or being envious of other people. Love is not jealous. Love is not envious. Love is, number two, not boastful does not brag. It doesn't talk conceitedly. Uh, jealousy is wanting, listen, jealousy is wanting what someone else has and boasting or bragging is trying to make someone else jealous of what we have. That's not God's love. Amen. We, we shouldn't want to have all the attention or all the limelight on us or our stuff or who we are, or our abilities. We need to put the light on the Lord and, and, and the limelight on what he does and what he can do. We need to stop starting our sentences with I and, and me and my and start talking more about Jesus and, and starting our sentences with Jesus. Boastful, bragging is not the love of God. So love is not envious. Love is not boastful. Love is not arrogant. Everybody say arrogant. arrogant. Love is not prideful. It's, it's this big-headed decisions and attitudes that, that come out of us too often. That's not God's love. Proverbs eight thirteen says, The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil is perverted speech. I hate Proverbs 11, verse 2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs 16, verse 18, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride is such a negatively powerful sin. You're right. I mean, it's been said that pride is the root of all evil. When we think about Satan, his fall came from pride. So love is not... Arrogant. Love is, not, love is not prideful. Love is not number four. Rude. Everybody say rude. 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 We can all be rude sometimes, can't we? To act unbecomingly, dishonorably, or indecently. Now, the Corinthians church must have been rude. They must have been struggling with this. That's why Paul put that in there. But I think too often we Christians can be just rude. And that's not love. I mean, you don't hear many people say, man, that's my best friend. He's so rude. Man, I just love that girl. She's just rude to me all, all the time, right? It just don't, it don't coexist with love, with the way we need to be living as Christians. Being rude is not showing the love of God. 
Being rude is not becoming, honoring, or decent. Love is not rude. Love is not, number five, selfish. Whoa, selfish. It's not about me. It's not about my wants, my desires. Kind of, kind of goes along with some of the other ones, but love does not insist on its own way is what the scripture says. Being selfish is polar opposite of what Jesus was. Amen? Complete opposite. And as followers of Jesus, we need to be, first of all, Jesus-centered, but also other-centered, not self-centered. It's not about me. Philippians 4, I'm sorry, Philippians 2, verse 4 tells us that let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Be other-centered. Be not so much about me and my way. We all know some selfish people, right? I mean, and most of us can be selfish at times. I mean, I'm never selfish. I mean, you can ask my wife. It's, I, I never, I'm, I'm just not, it's not in me, right? You know, we're all selfish. I, I'm, I can be very, very selfish. I always want my way, and that's wrong. It's not the love of God in me that acts that way. Um, I thought it was kind of funny. I, I found, I read these, just in studying these two little tombstones of two opposite people. One lived a selfish life, one lived a, a selfless life. Listen, and you, you just decide which one you'd rather have on your tombstone. First one says, here lies a miser who lived for himself and cared for nothing but gathering wealth. Now, where he is or how he fares, nobody knows and nobody cares. No. The second one says, at all times and everywhere, he gave his strength to the weak, his substance to the poor, his sympathy to the suffering, and his heart to God. That's the kind of life I want to be known as, right? That's what I want to be said about me and not a selfish, but a selfless life, a Christ-like life. Now, Love is not selfish. Love is not number six. Irritable. Everybody say irritable. Is that you in the mornings? I mean, that can be me sometimes in the mornings. Irritable. Um, easily angered, in other words. Or a, 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 your temper will ruin your life. You understand that, right? A, a temper will ruin your family, will ruin your reputation, will ruin your testimony. We need to be, um, we don't need to be irritable or easily angered. And when we do find the source of our anger, we need to seek it out and say, God, God, God this, is, this causes me to be angry. I want to give it to you. This does not um, line up with what love is and what the love of Jesus in my life should be. Um, we, we, it makes me think of one of the most famous Old Testament uh, men in the Bible is Moses, right? And, uh, and, and Moses, of course, was a godly man. You know, God used him in mighty ways. But you remember when the Israelites were whining and complaining and we're hungry, we're thirsty. Why'd you bring us out here to die? Can we not go back to Egypt? We had such a great life there. And, and him and Aaron were like, oh. So they go to the tent of meetings. They say, God, what's up? Here, what do we do here? And what, remember what God said? He said, go to the rock, speak to the rock and water. It'll yield rock, water, right, for the people. And he took his staff and did exactly what God did, right? Ever walked over the rock and what did he do? He hit the rock, not once, but twice, because he was, he was angered. He was, he was irritable because the Israelites were whining and complaining, and he allowed them to, to take over, and, and it hurt him. In other words, he didn't get to see the promised land because of that, and we don't want to be people that are irritable, easily angered. Love is not easily angered. Love is not irritable. Love is not, number seven, resentful. Resentful? That's a, that's a bookkeeping term. You've heard this before, maybe, for a record or a list of wrongs. Now, how, what kind of life is that? To, to keep a record of wrongs. And you're like, well, I don't do, I would never keep a record or a list of wrongs. You know, uh, this resentful means uh, to, to love, or love does not store up the memory of wrongs because we've all been pained. We've all been hurt. We've all been wronged. I mean, I could fill up a terabyte on a computer of all the things that people have done to me. You could too, right? I mean, there's, I read about a, a Polynesian village where, it was practice for them when someone does something wrong to you. 
you would, um, you would hang something from your roof to remind you of the wrong that was done to you. And so all around my roof, you couldn't, get, you couldn't walk out of my house, right? Because it'd be full of, of images and things to remind me of the wrongs people have done to me. And that's not, whoa, it was me. It's all of us. We've all been wronged. We've all been hurt. But to keep a record of wrongs is not the love of God, Right? Because the love of God forgives and restores and renews. And as Christians, we've received that forgiveness. We've, we've, we've understood the, what it means to, to let wrongs go and to be forgiven. Um, in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Man. But as Christians, we have received forgiveness through his love, through his grace. So we must forgive others and not be resentful. Love is not resentful. And lastly, love is not mean. Mean, where is that in the Bible? That's my word for it, okay? Love is not mean or doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. Because when I think about people that get excited or, or fired up or laugh or whatever, or, be, or belittle someone's mess ups or sin, that's just mean, right? And love is not mean. We never want to elevate or laugh or make fun of or, 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 or rejoice at someone's wrongdoing. It makes me think of gossiping, right? How people want to so, oh, I got to tell. No, we need to, we need to, we don't need to be gossipers. We need to stop that and, and realize that, that um, love is not, does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Isaiah 5 verse 20 tells us that woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. All right. So now we talked about what love is not. Everybody say with me, what is love? Come on. Hey. You know, if you've seen the movie, well, not the rocks, you know, what is love? Yeah, anyway. All right. So what is love? Let's talk about what love is right now. All right. There's enough bad stuff. Let's talk about good stuff. Let's talk about what love is. But before we go there, I thought it'd be kind of cute since it's Valentine's Day to read a few little definitions of children. And what, when they were asked, what does love mean? These are good. Listen to this. From a, uh, Rebecca, an eight-year-old, she says, um, what does love mean to her? It says, <clears throat> excuse me, she said, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That is love. Chrissy, a six-year-old, said, love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your french fries without making them give you any of theirs. <laughs> love it. Terry, a four-year-old, said, Love is what makes you smile when you're tired. That's pretty wise for a four-year-old. Nikki, wow, listen to this. If you want, six-year-old Nikki, if you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend who you hate. That's pretty good. That's insightful for a six-year-old. Now, listen to this one. A four-year-old um, was close with his neighbor, an elderly man who lost his wife. And, um, and one day the boy came home and or went outside, actually, and the, the man was on his porch just crying. And a little boy went over there and just crawled up in his lap and sat there. And the mom was watching this whole thing from out the window. And when the boy was done, he came back over. And the mom said, son, what did you, what did you say to him? And he said, nothing. I just helped him cry. Oh, that, but that's love, right? From a child's perspective. And, 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 but so much more than these four little definitions is the vast, compassionate, crazy love God has for us. Let's talk about that, all right? Um, and again, I want to remind you that love is not real God love until we demonstrate it and live it out and prove our love. We can say, I love you all the time, but to prove it is something else. So love must have action. So love is, number one, patient. Everybody say patient. Patient. 
Love is patient. Love is long-suffering or, or long-tempered. An early church preacher by John Chrysostom defines patience as when a man is wronged and has it easily in his power to avenge himself, but will never do it. That's patience. That's this long-suffering, this long-temperance. Um, our Savior, the Lord, epitomizes patience, right? I mean, the night he was betrayed and arrested, this mob comes to get him. And, and, and you know, Peter gets, gets angry, pulls out his knife and cuts a guy's ear off. And Jesus, I can kind of pick picks up his Come on, Peter. And he says, do you not think here in Matthew 26, 53 and 54, he said, do you not think that I can appeal to my father and he, and he will at once send more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? Jesus knew where he was going, right? He was going to the cross. He knew he had to get there. He knew that he had to be patient with the, with the sin of the disciples, with the betrayal of Judas, with the, with the whippings and the floggings and eventually the cross. He knew that because he was a, it was love. He epitomizes love. He epitomizes patience. And that's another sermon on itself. But love is patient. Love is kind. Kind. There we go. Kind. Actively engaged in doing good to others. That is what kind, kindness is. Um, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, again, in five, Matthew 5, 40, 41. And if anyone would, would, would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone force you to go one mile, go with him. How many? Two miles. That's kindness. That's the love that Jesus shows. That's the love that we are to show, this kind love. Mark Twain called kindness a language that the deaf can hear and the blind can read. Why? Because it's lived out. This is the kind of love that we have. Um, I, like, I read this story too about a woman. Her husband just bought her a brand new car. She's all excited and hadn't had it but a couple of weeks and she wrecked it. And she just knew as soon as she was in the wreck, she said, oh, my husband's going to be so upset. He's going to be angry. What have I done? And she was like, oh. And before she could do anything else, she reached over and, and unlatched the glove box and, and, and out fell a handwritten note that said, in case of an accident, remember, honey, it's you that I love, not the car. Oh, that's kind love, right? That's the love that we ought to be exemplifying. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love rejoices with the truth. Number three, rejoices, rejoices with the truth. To be glad, to take delight in the truth, what's right. The word of God is truth, amen? We need delight in it, rejoice in the word of God. Second John verse 6 says, And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. Rejoicing in the truth of God's word, right? This is the commandment. Just as you have heard from the beginning, so you should walk in it, in it, in the word, in his commandments, in his love. It's the complete opposite. Number eight, we said well ago that love is mean. Love does, does not mean it rejoices with the truth. We need to rejoice with the word of God and, and the people of God and the, God's word is so good. So love is patient. Love is kind. Love rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. It protects. It covers. That's the word that's used here. This bears all things. Um, same word used for a roof covering. Okay. Um, it, it's used here as an ongoing covering from outside forces and inside struggles. What does that mean? It co love covers, love bears all things. I love the way uh, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon illustrates this. Now, you got to pay attention to this little quote here, okay? Because it makes, it's really good. Listen, don't listen to me drink water. Listen to this illustration. He said, I would, my brothers and sisters, that we could all imitate the pearl oyster. The pearl oyster. A hurtful particle intrudes itself into its shell, and this vexes and grieves it. It cannot eject the evil, and what does it do but cover 
to, to bear, to protect. It covers it with precious substance extracted out of its own life by which it turns the intruder into a pearl. Oh, that we would do so with the provocations and, and re, we receive from our fellow Christians so that pearls of patience, gentleness, long-suffering, and forgiveness might be bred within us by which have harmed us. Isn't that good? So when, because of the love of God in us, when stuff happens to us, we cover it with the love of God and we trust the love of God and we believe in the love of God and we, we allow the love of God to use that in us to become a pearl for the glory of God. That's good stuff. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. It believes all things to, to always trust, to have confidence in. Okay, that, the, not in necessarily the word love, but in the God of love, all right? Uh, you know, we, we too often are easy to, to take what we hear about people and, and say, oh my goodness, can't believe that happened. We've got to believe what's right in people first and foremost, right? And when do, we do find out about a brother or sister in Christ messing up or doing something they shouldn't or, or whatever, we go to them in love and we, we encourage them and we, we believe in love that God will do, will do a work in their life of forgiveness. And Galatians 6, 1 says, brothers, if anyone is caught in a, in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself lest you too be tempted. But to, to believe the, the Lord in our lives and believe the love of God in, the, in people's lives, it's not, not pointing fingers. Because when you point one finger this way, Pete, what happened? how many are pointing back at you, right? We've heard that a thousand times. But, to, but love believes all things, especially the godly and the, and the virtuous things in us. So love believes all things. Love, number six, hopes all things. Boy, that's, is that hard to read for y'all? Okay, that's, that's a little small. But love hopes all things. Um, refusing to take failure as final. Because, I mean, we've had a lot of failure in our life in the last year. We've had a lot of ups and downs, but a lot more downs and ups. And, but we believe in all things. We hope all things, right? Love hopes for the best. Love hopes in God and His plan and His church and His people. We trust Him. We hope in Him. We don't know what to do or how to handle a situation or a pandemic or a death or a sickness or a problem or a failure or a loss. We keep doing what God has already commanded us to do. And that's to love him and to love others and to, to stay in the word and to pray and to seek his face. And, and then we, we hope in him because he is our hope. Amen? He is our hope. Love hopes all things. Love, number seven, endures all things. At all costs, love will not stop loving. At all costs, love will not stop loving. That's a, the word endures there is a military term used for an army holding a position, a vital position at all costs. No matter what, don't let them get past here. Hold your position. Endure all things. Acts um, 7, I was reading just my own personal time, uh, the book of Acts. And, and when I was going through this, I was reminded of the man Stephen, who, who was, had the privilege and honor to stand before people and explain the gospel and to preach the gospel. And he shared with them what the love of God and love of Jesus with these, with these people. And they didn't like it, did they? Right? They, they stoned Stephen. And, and, and Stephen, in chapter 7, verse 59 and 60, said this. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. That's loving at all costs. See, Stephen had, had, had experienced the love of God himself. And so desperately wanted these people to experience the love of God. So he endured Stony. He endured death because he loved the Lord and he loved others as we should. Love endures all things. And finally, love never 
ends. Love, not once, not ever, fails or ends because true love is God. How can God end? How can God fail us? He can't. Love never ends. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. Now, we've been talking about what love isn't and what love is, but we, I don't know if you caught it or not, but basically Jesus is love, right? And as I was going through this, I was reminded all these times, I kept going back to the scriptures of Jesus and he, how he exemplified and, and proved these aspects of what love is and what love is not. And I, so I went back and I just I put the word Jesus in the passage we just read. I want to read it to you again, but with Jesus in the place of love. Listen, Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy or boast. Jesus is not arrogant or rude. Jesus does not insist on his own way. Jesus is not irritable or resentful. Jesus does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but Jesus rejoices with the truth. Jesus bears all things. Jesus believes all things. Jesus hopes all things. Jesus endures all things. Jesus never ends. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So I got a couple questions for you. What kind of love do other people see in your life? Do they see these things we described as what love is not? Envious? Do they see jealousy? Do they see boasting or bragging? Do they see um, an arrogance or pride in your life? Do they see you as rude, selfish, irritable, resentful, and mean? Or, or do people around us see us as patient? Do they see us as kind? Do they see us as rejoicing with the truth? Do they see us as, as people that, with a love that bears all things, love that believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things? Do they see the love of Jesus in us that never, ever fails? That's my prayer for us today. That's my prayer for your life and, and, and to encourage you to, to live out the, this love of God. Yeah, we have the, the best gift ever. The, the, we have the... It's hard to explain, but we just have it all in Jesus. And I just want to challenge you. Are you, are you living it out? Are, you, are, are people seeing that love? I know it's tough. I know life is, you know, is full of sickness and death and awfulness and tragedy and, and pain and hurt and wrong. But let's focus on Jesus. Let's focus on him being kind and loving, compassionate, enduring, never failing. This is Doug Ferris, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Underwood Baptist Church. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. It's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to the sermon or gather religious information. We want you to encounter God, and we pray that He will impact your life. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, please go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org. All our contact information is there, and we look forward to hearing from you. I hope you are blessed by today's message.